Equity Mind. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to the Equity Mate Summer Series of 2020, brought to you by Superhero. Superhero are the newest broker in town, offering $5 brokerage and $0 brokerage on ETFs. So head to superhero.com to find out more. Over 12 episodes, we're going to be diving into some of Australia's largest and most well-known companies, as selected by you, the Equity Mates community. We'll be unpacking the company, its industry, the outlooks, and key financials, and in some instances, We'll also be taking the tough questions straight to the CEO. To do this, as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. How are you? I can't complain. Always fun talking stocks. That's it. That's it. First cab off the rank in the cloud space for us is... I was going to (laughs) say. Yes. Yes? What were you going to say? I'll let you you finish. First cab off the rank in the cloud cloud space. space. Yes. Not first cab off the rank in this series. No, no. Is NextDC ASX ticker NXT. We have spoken about this during the year. Uh, It's been one of the, the hotter stocks on the ASX. And uh, a massive thanks to Hazefa for helping us with the research and analysis of this as a member of the Equity Mates community. So a big shout out and many thanks. As always, we're going to be talking about company structure and summary, industry context, a bit of the outlook for the future, some financials, and then having a crack at evaluation if it is profitable. Spoiler alert, it is. Nice. <laughs> Wait, well, it was. It's not... <laughs> It's not. Gee, what, uh, a, what a spoiler <laughs> alert! It is. It was. Maybe not. It I'm hasn't. Sure. It hasn't been in the last two years. But I think we can have a chat about valuation. Sure, sure, sure. So next DC, Ren. It's a company involved in, I guess, the operation of data centers here in Australia, and it focuses on providing support and infrastructure for companies looking to be involved in cloud and move a lot of their what would traditionally be hardware online into the cloud. Maybe let's do a software. Uh, let's do a <laughs> you, cloud computing 101 and where data centers fit in, just for for people who aren't aware or haven't listened to our cloud say, computing yeah, episode, yeah, yeah. which they should. Yeah. A traditional business that needed to have technology infrastructure would have to build that infrastructure themselves, would have to get servers, set them up, and then they could store their data on those servers. What cloud computing has really enabled is data centers to hold that data remotely. And so they're, I guess, like the key pieces of infrastructure in the technology revolution, and they allow companies, everyone from the Amazons and the Microsofts of the world to the Equimates business to store their data remotely and that data is then stored in a data center rather than us having to set up servers to hold all our data ourselves. Nice. So pretty important space. Massive. Gro- growing space. Yeah. Certainly do go and listen to our discussion with Natalie Pioco. She really went through the whole cloud industry from go to woe. From Google, we should say. From Google, that's, yeah. That's a key selling point. She knows what yeah. she's talking about. Yeah. So Next DC, they've got some pretty big clients, Ren. Amazon Web Services use them. They do. People are probably familiar with Amazon Web Services and Microsoft Azure these days. And Next DC partner with them and then... If you're, you know, if you're signing up to Amazon Web Services in Australia, you're going through Amazon, but the actual data center that, the, the actual infrastructure may be owned by Next DC, 
And so I think from the outset, the way to think about data centers or the way I think about data centers is they're an infrastructure play, really. They're incredibly capital intensive assets that have an incredibly long life that next day say and a few other companies but actually not that many listed these days build and then operate and you know store data for companies and and then also you know i guess like white label that or amazon and microsoft white label that storage as microsoft web services azure and amazon web services yeah Yeah. so ren we talk about the importance of management teams so we thought it'd be a good time to touch on that the ceo is craig scroggy and He was the executive chairman at Asia Pacific Data Center Holdings, a company you used to own. I did. Apparently, he's pretty well recognized within the industry for his leadership and IT experience and has really grown NextDC from what was a a startup operating only a a small single data center to now Australia's leading Mm. center for this sort of service. So, yeah, do you still own Asia Pacific? They were acquired by NextDC. Oh, there you go. They were one of the very first companies I bought. It was around the, you know, the... Uni, when we were living days. together, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It yeah. Made, yeah, I don't think I held them for that long, but yeah, they, they've been acquired. And that, that was what I found when I was looking at ASX-listed data centers. There's a few small ones. DC2 is a ticker. DXT, I'm pretty sure, is another ticker. Macquarie Telecom, I think, is worth about a billion dollars and operates some data centers. But NextDC, which is worth about $5 billion, is the biggest by a long shot in mm, Australia. Just eating everyone up. Yeah, I, in terms of like pure play data centers. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, like obviously don't come at me and tell me that Telstra operates <laughs> data centers and stuff like that. Yeah. So their revenue is also growing at a pretty phenomenal rate as well. FY 2012, financial year 2012, they had revenue of $1.2 million. And they've just ticked over revenue of 200 million in FY20. So certainly growing with the industry, their customer base is growing at 21% year on year as well over the last four years. So really positioning themselves as a power player here in Australia. You touched on their CEO before. It would feel remiss of us to move on without talking about their founder, who is probably the least known but one of the most successful entrepreneurs in Australia, full stop. Bevan Slattery, he's a technology entrepreneur. He's founded a number of technology businesses, but he seems to have a bit of a Midas touch when it comes to technology. He's founded businesses that have sold to US companies, sold a company to TPG. He founded NextDC, which is listed. He founded Megaport, which is listed. He founded a number of other technology companies, some of which are listed, some of which have been acquired. He's worth, I think, about half a billion dollars. But if you're interested in where technology is going and where cloud and like telecoms and cloud computing and all of that are going. Bevan Slattery is a name to know and someone to watch. Follow the money. Yes. Yeah. Follow, follow, the, follow the smart money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a pretty phenomenal entrepreneur, to be honest. Look, it goes without saying, Ren, I don't think we need to go too deep into this, but the context around the industry and its competitors, it's in an industry that is really growing and is becoming of more importance to many companies as they go through digital transformation. The rise of cloud computing, you know, has raised demand for obviously cloud hosting companies throughout Australia, NextDC being one of them. As you said at the start, cloud hosting really allows applications and websites to be accessible from anywhere, really. You don't have to be tied at your desk to your PC. You can be anywhere in the world accessing all your stuff in the cloud, Gmail, (laughs) you name it. Why are you looking at me like that? (laughs) (laughs) That's a simple level. (laughs) More and more companies are beginning to transition from single servers to these cloud-based alternatives. And 
you know, Next DC are positioning themselves here in Australia as the one to go to for that sort of stuff. So the advantages are that if, you know, it allows for economies of scale and reduced operating costs within the business. So whilst you don't have to maintain the service yourselves, you can just pay for access to the cloud infrastructure that Next DC are offering. And it's a very cost effective way of having some pretty powerful technology at your hands. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in terms of the competitors and the, the industry landscape, as we mentioned, Next AC are really the biggest in Australia. They're worth about $5 billion and they have data centers in most major capital cities. They have a few in Sydney. They've got one in Melbourne, one in Perth, and I think a few others. There are some competitors and obviously as demand in the industry grows, they're going to build more and their competitors are going to build more. But I guess the key thing when you're looking at competitors is data centers have different technology standards and I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole. So pull me back if I do, but basically different data centers are appropriate for like different levels of, I guess, importance when it comes to data. And, you know, there's uh, like some of Next DC's data centers are level four, which are like designed to host the most mission critical computer systems with fully redundant subsystems. And, you know, uh, they, they have the ability to withstand like power outages and stuff like that. So I think when you're looking at the competitors, you know, you're looking at who's out there, how many data centers they have, what capacity do those data centers have? And then at what tier do they operate to? And then, you know, then you get into what's their revenue per square foot or what's their revenue yeah, per yeah. megawatt and stuff like that. I mean, Next DC are a big operator. They've rolled up a few other companies like Asia Pacific Data Centers, which was another ASX listed player. And really, they're, they're trying to be the number one in Australia. Mm. So we've spoken about the industry, some of their competitors, and also a summary of the company. Before we jump into future plans and valuation, we'll just take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. So Ren, you mentioned at the top of the show, they were profitable, they're not profitable. So maybe it's a good time to turn our attention to the financials of the company. Yeah, let's do it. If we start with the revenue, they've had some pretty incredible growth over the past decade. And I'll just read out the numbers. They Consistency of this growth is pretty phenomenal. So the first year they created revenue was 2012, 1.2 million. And then from there, they did 33, 46, 59, 89, 118, 153, 170, 201. They went from 1 million to 33 million. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold on a may, second. That 1.2 <laughs> that they it's may not like have been a full year. Month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think like for me, that consistency of growth is really impressive. And obviously some of that is from acquisitions. Some of that's from building new data centers. Some of that's from making more revenue from existing data centers. But as a first thing you look at, that level of growth and that consistency of growth is quite impressive. And how is that translating to the bottom line? Good question. So for the first five years, they made a loss and th those losses weren't linear, but they ranged from sort of losing $2 million to losing a bit over $20 million. In financial year 2016, they turned a profit. So they made $1.8 million, then $23 million, things Jeez. are looking up, then down to $6.6 .6 million, not great. And then the last two years, they've lost money, $10 million and then $45 million. I'm assuming that it's so lumpy because uh, are they, you know, are they using money to acquire? What's their balance sheet looking like? 
they are using money to acquire. The thing is, given they're not profitable, but if you strip out some of those things like depreciation and amortization and you look at EBITDA, they are making money. If you then go down and look at their cash flow statements and you say, well, from a statutory perspective, they may not be profitable, but are they generating cash that they can give to their shareholders? Their free cash flow is actually negative every year. And a big part of that is because they're purchasing a lot of property. So in the last financial year, they spent about $400 million buying property. So, you know, expanding their data center footprint and their free cash flow was negative. The one thing that I'd noticed pretty quickly is that they're issuing more stock every year. They issued $862 million worth of stock this year, $500 million last year. So it looks like they're funding their expansion through issuing stock, mm, which is something to, something to keep in mind. Mm. But look, really, this is a company that is trying to position itself as the biggest in the market. And so I'm sure if we got to speak to the next DC CEO, which unfortunately we're not, they would say that they're building a lot of these assets, trying to take a dominant position in the market, and then those investments will pay off for years to come. Nice, Ren. So let's look to the future. I mean, for me, this is more about the growth play and the industry that they're in, if they can keep up the growth rates that they have been experiencing over the last few years, you know, they're going to be turning into a pretty sizable company. If they continue to get longer term contracts with customers and I can just see the demand only increasing for their services. So I think the outlook for this company Looks pretty good from a from a macro standpoint. They've given guidance for EBITDA FY21 of 125 to 130 million, which is up 20 to 25% on current. So continuing the growth rates that they've been experiencing. Yeah, it's an infrastructure play. They're trying to build as much capacity as possible and then lock in long-term recurring revenue on the back of that capacity. As long as they keep growing their top line, I guess, it's interesting. You would like to see them become profitable again consistently at some point. Yeah. But the share market obviously love it. It's up, what, about 700% since it listed? Yeah, been buzzing this year. Yeah, I think about up 70% this year. So in terms of evaluation, Ren, if you're looking at most recently, it's a bit difficult to do given that they are not profitable. Yeah. If you want to take some of the numbers from profit previous the last two years, you could do it that way. And you can also do a comparative valuation and look at where they stack up against some of their competitors using some of their profit numbers from a few years past. If you do that, then they are certainly more expensive on a price to sales ratio against Macquarie Telecom, for example, and DXN, a couple of the competitors, you know, next DCs is much, much more expensive at a, at a price to sales of about 20, whereas the others are between one and a half and four. In terms of a DCF, Ren, you've had a crack? This is all very much just an exercise in, I guess, learning for us because it doesn't have free cash flow and it doesn't have earnings. So it's difficult to... Discount cash uh, flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just for the sake of the exercise, I said, all right, well, let's use EBITDA as the number because that was a positive number. And so the per share number there is 30 cents. And I guess just to give you an idea of the range of outcomes that you can get. So... You Using the same input, so a 10% discount rate, 3% growth rate after the five years, I put in two different numbers. So the first number I put in was the average over the last five years, the company grew its EBITDA at 37%. And so I said, all right, let's use that number and see what it comes out at. And it came out at $9.41, which is pretty in line. Well, I mean, it's a little bit below the current share price at $11.25. Oh, $11. So 
It was even expensive if it was able to continue growing at that 37%, which is a pretty big number. Yeah. Then if we say, all right, well, let's not use its historic growth rate. Let's use the growth rate that the company has said it's expecting to say next year, which is that 20%. Yeah. And let's say that actually continues for the next five years. And then same other inputs. After that, it only grows at 3%, discount rate of 10%. Using that 20% number, you get $5.25. So about half of what the company's currently trading at. Or just as a third option, if you were to say over the last five years, its revenue grew at 13%. So let's use that as the growth rate. You get a value of $4.06. So for me, it just shows again that the supposed science of discounted cash flows, whilst useful, is so dependent on the assumption you use. Whether you use its historic growth rate for EBITDA, its forecasted growth rate for the next year, the company's forecasted growth rate, or its historic revenue growth rate, you get a range of values from $4 to $9.5, all of which are below the current company's current share price of $11. But it just shows that the real work in the discounted cash flow isn't in the putting the numbers in, it's in the proper forecasting of the numbers. Yeah, uh, particularly with the terminal growth. Like if you're forecasting 37% over five years yeah, and, and then, then you drop it to three, <laughs> the company's pretty much gone bust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all of those inputs do make a significant difference. And you're right, Ren, doing it this way is an illustration of the variances that you can get. But certainly big firms are doing a lot more work. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. Well, they're doing the, the forecasting. Yeah. And, then, and then the other thing that you can do is you can probability weight those outputs outcome. So you can say the likelihood of them getting 37% growth rate over the next five years is 20% likelihood. Whereas having a 13% growth rate might be 40% likelihood. And you know, you you probability weight those outcomes and then you get a sort of probability weighted fair value. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, if all of that went over your head, don't stress about it. This part of the summer series is really just an exercise for us to try and learn ourselves as we're going. And what we are constantly reminded of is that whilst this feels like the most important part of the conversation, it is the least important and the least scientific because as much as you can dress it up and make it look like you've absolutely nailed what fair value is, things aren't linear. Yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna get a consistent growth rate. And what we've learned from the experts over and over again is good companies that are on the cutting edge of some industry disruption run by good management teams are the most important thing. And as Paul Wilson said in our most recent interview with him, discounted cash flows for him are just a sense check at the end. They're not the primary method of analysis because if your analysis is off, but a company is a great company that's growing year after year after year, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very mindful that we go a little bit in the weeds at the end of these episodes and I think it's worth just reminding ourselves and everyone listening where it should fit in the context of the analysis. Agreed, Ren. So that brings us to the end of Next DC. A massive shout out to Hazefo from the Equity Mates community who has helped with the research and analysis on this one. And thank you to our sponsors, Superhero, for sponsoring the Equity Mates Summer Series of 2020. They are a new broker in town offering $5 brokerage flat fee as well as $0 brokerage on all ETFs. So if you're into the ETF and want to build your core portfolio, head over to superhero.com.au to find out more information and to sign 
sign up. We love the platform, love what they're doing, making markets more accessible for everyday investors. So head over and check them out. Yeah, Next AC, part of the ASX 200. So if you want to buy an ASX 200 ETF, you can do it at $0 cost with Superhero. Probably also part of the Australian Technology ETF, the BetaShares one. I would imagine Haven't so. Haven't checked that, but it is. I would assume I so. I can safely say it is. You can yeah. safely say it? I can picture the um, top 10 holders <laughs> right now. <laughs> anyway, Ren, we'll leave it there and chat next week. Nice one. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. 